Are you ready? I am going to preach a message to you called floaties and floods. Floaties and floods. We got a church where there's some floods and we got a church where people need some floaties. And I don't want us to think that one of them's good and one of them is bad. A healthy church has both. And we're going to discover that in, in the moments that we have together. I want you to turn your Bibles to Revelation. Oh, no. Chapter 12, verses 13 through 18. It says this. When the dragon realized, now this is John, the disciple John, having a vision of something happen, happening in the spiritual realm. And the dragon in this passage of scripture represents the devil. And it gets really prophetic and really intense. If you're new to Christianity, just trust what I'm reading to you. Probably don't want to start with Revelation 12. You will be freaked out. Um, I needed prayer after I read through the chapter and then I was ready to preach. Uh, but this is John having a vision of something happening in the spiritual realm and, and the dragon represents the devil. Verse 13 says, when the dragon realized he had been thrown down the earth. Bible scholars believe this is the moment where he's thrown out of heaven. He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Most Bible scholars believe that this is the woman who was giving birth to Jesus. They, they, it's, it's a little bit deeper than he's pursuing Mary because obviously Mary wouldn't have been there, but it's a dream that he's having, uh, a vision that he is having that gives us a little bit of information on what can happen in the natural. So he's not dreaming about what's really happening. He's dreaming of symbols and visions, and it's communicating to him what is going to happen. Does that make sense? And so it said, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, but she was given two wings like those of a great eagle so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. And I want you to lock in on verse 15. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. I want you to catch this. The enemy, the devil, the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. Now I want you, if you can, to jump over to John chapter 7, verse 38, where, where it says this. He who believes in me who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on me. That's what it means to believe. Not just that you believe Jesus is somewhere up there, that Jesus is around, not that you believe God's presence is here, but if you really believe, you listen to, you trust in, and you rely on. You listen to, you trust in, and you rely on. And then it says, as the scripture has said, from his or her innermost being will flow continually rivers of living Water. This is Jesus saying this, and he is talking about the Holy Spirit. When, when, I, when I think about this, this message, I want to just first stop and say that I read two passages of Scripture, one from Revelation and one from John. Both involve floods. That translation, when Jesus said rivers, is translated torrent. It's translated flood. And so in this two chapters of scripture, we have two floods, one from the enemy and one from believers. But if you notice, it is two floods, but two completely different sources. From the devil, the flood comes out of his mouth. From the believer, the flood comes out of their heart. Wait a minute. From the devil, the flood comes out of the mouth. From the believer, the flood comes out of 
the heart. So when do I have the most significant opportunity to be like the devil? Is it when I'm having sex before marriage? Although you hear about that a lot in church, I don't see anywhere in scripture where the devil has sex before marriage. I'm not saying having sex before marriage is, is the right thing to do. I believe you should save yourself for your spouse. What I'm suggesting to you is that that would not mean that you are like the devil. Maybe if you get drunk because you're overwhelmed from quarantine, that is not the right thing to do. In Proverbs 31, it says it's not for kings to get drunk with wine. There's an identity that you must have if you're going to stay away from getting drunk and drinking away your pain, if you will. But even that would not mean that you are like the devil because there is nowhere in Scripture where we see the devil having a nice little Jack and Coke. Maybe if you are on drugs and you've spent most of your time not online watching this, but at the dispensary getting some OG, you know what? You might feel guilty and that might not be the right thing to do, but there is nowhere in scripture where the devil smoked anything. What I'm suggesting to you is that your greatest opportunity to be just like the devil is every single time you open your mouth. The flood that came from the enemy that attempted to drown the woman came from his mouth. I'm blown away that Jesus told Peter this particular phrase. Hey, you, who do you say I am? Everybody else had the wrong answer. And Jesus say, I say, and Peter said, I say, you are the Messiah. And he said, only the father could have shown you that. Peter, you'll no longer be Simon, which means pebble. You'll be, you'll be Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. What a triumphant moment. And then in the next paragraph, Jesus is telling Peter he's going to be crucified, tortured, and beaten. And Peter says, that will never happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus called Peter Satan, not over what he did, but what he said. Peter made a lot of mistakes in the Bible. Peter did a lot of stupid stuff. Peter denied Christ three times, and he didn't call him Satan. All that Peter had to do was say something that was the opposite of the will of God and got called Satan. The, the, the flood... The flood for the believer doesn't come from the mouth. You know, we had a hard week this week. I don't know if you watch those debates. How about those Lakers? I don't know. We got to switch the subject, right? How about those Dodgers? Go Dodgers. And what we saw in response to what honestly was like two kids fighting, what we saw in response was floods from believers that came from their mouths not floods that came from their hearts. See, when we come into crisis or chaos or pain, it should literally turn on the faucet of the Holy Spirit. But what it turns on is the faucet that is our mouths. If the enemy can keep you talking, he can keep you sitting. It's not that there was just one flood against the other. Jesus is saying, I'm aware that the enemy wants to bring a flood. I'm aware that the enemy wants to tell lies and deceive. And the solution for the flood that comes from the enemy's mouth is a flood that comes from 
the believer's heart, all done by the Holy Spirit. I guess the question is, how do you and I resist the source of the flood of the enemy and embrace the source of the flood of the believer? How do we shut up and live the life that Christ has called us to live? And I'm not saying we don't need to speak out, but I'm just saying when you speak out, it better come out of the, the, the welling up of the Holy Spirit inside of you, prompting you to say what you said. This is a profound switch that we would use our mouth to declare the will of God. Isaiah 29, 13 through 14 brings this up. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God's saying, I don't want lip service. I want a servant's heart. And he says, and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Because of this, I will once again astound these hypocrites with amazing wonders. The wisdom of the wise will pass away and the intelligence of the intelligent will disappear. He's talking about the heart of a believer, that he wants a servant's heart, not lip service. James 3 verse 8 talks about the mouth. And I know that this flood that came from the devil's mouth has come from mine before. Have we released a flood of division, a flood of anger, a flood of unforgiveness through the words that we say? James chapter 3, verse 8 through 12 says this, but no one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless, evil, undisciplined, unstable, full of deadly poison. You ever look at your tongue, man? That's like, he's literally saying, I should have, if we were on alliterations, I would have called this message spiritual halitosis. As my grandpa used to say, your breath is humming like a bird. Come on, put it in the chat. Your, your spiritual breath is humming, right? I'm telling you, man, when we open up the church, I'm going to give like blessed, I'm, I'm going to just bless Altoids in the back and y'all going to come up instead of coming up for prayer. I'm just going to give you a spiritual Altoid so you would stop speaking death. Come on, man. Put in the chat. Come on, casket mouth. Power of life and death is in the tongue. Are you speaking funerals or birthday parties? Because I'm saying we know what's going on. It does feel like death. But what are you saying? Every time there was drama and chaos in the Bible, nearly every time it says things like, and then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. God told somebody to say something before he told somebody to do something. Do you have a mouth that is undisciplined, unstable, full of deadly poison? With it, we bless our Lord, our Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things, my brother, should not be this way. For we have a moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our fear of God and profound respect for his precepts. Does a spring send out, the same, uh, send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, nor can salt water produce fresh water. How do we do what God is calling us to do? And when the enemy is trying to drown the United States through the words of leaders, through the words of Instagram posts, through my own words, through your own words, how do we do what God has asked us to do and to bring a flood of the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water out of them who believe? 
I, I think this is profound that Jesus said this in John chapter 7 because he had said this during what would be called the Feast of the Tabernacles or the, the Tent of Booths. And this took place, you know when it took place? In, in the Jewish calendar, right around October. Matter of fact, my wife and I were given the church on October 13th, which would have technically been the final day of the Festival of Harvest. So when we were given the church on October 13th, 2019, it literally would have been the exact day where Jesus would have stood up and said, rivers of living water will flow from those who believe. And I start thinking about our first year as lead pastors, and I said to myself, I get it now. I get why you chose October 13th, why it was that day, because you knew that the greatest temptation I would have is to bring a flood, a demonic flood through my mouth because I speak every week. And there's a lot of demonic floods coming from the mouths of pastors right now. And I have been one of them in moments, but I'm back just so you know. I, that's why I had to take a break. And he also chose this time to say this when at the end of the festival, because throughout Jerusalem, there was about 10 pools, like not rivers, pools of water. And a couple of these pools had gotten pretty big reputations for, for healing. And, and they started to believe things about these pools, so much so that it would have been in the tradition on the final day when Jesus got up to speak, it would have been the tradition for one of the priests and some of the priests to grab a, 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 a cup of water or a bucket of water from, the, from this one particular pool, the pool of Siloam that had been known for, for healings, and they would come and fill it and march around the altar seven times and pour that pool water into a bucket of water to close the festival. And Jesus took the moment and Bible scholars say that he did it right before they were getting ready to pour the pool water. And he talked about living water and he switched them from pool water to river water. Oh my God. He says, I'm closing the pool. I'm closing the pool. And they would have been flabbergasted, by the way. Like, imagine the most important part of the ceremony, and Jesus says, hey, I got something to tell you. Anyone who believes in me, rivers of living water will come from them. You will no longer have to march around this altar seven times and draw water from a pool. There's no more pool water. There is living water. I'm taking you from the floaties to the flood. You see how I did that? Oh, they were in the pool. Just in the pool. People want to be healed. You went to the pool. I'm going to read you a couple of passages of scripture because I know what you're thinking. Okay, great. I don't want to be a flood of the enemy, always spewing anger and division. I want to be a river. I want rivers of living water to flow out of my heart. But the interesting thing is we need the pools before we can get to the river. That's why he did it at the end of the festival. I want you to catch this. There are three pools we need to be in before we graduate to the floods of the Holy Spirit. Put in the chat. All right, everybody, put your floaties on. Put your floaties on. Put your floaties on. I'm going to put this floaties on and read to you the first pool. It is the pool of praise. 
the pool of praise. I can tell, I know it's a kiddie pool. The praise is kiddie pool. You should, I don't care what's going on, praise is a kiddie pool. That is the simplest thing that you should be able to do. Watch this, Matthew 21, verse 14 through 17. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God, the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus replied, have you... Ever read the scriptures? For they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. We think when we're praising God, we're doing something really mature. I've just been praising God all day. The Bible says, that's kiddie pool stuff. Splashing. That's not rivers. This is for kids. And if we're not careful, we start like this, but then we stay like this. I don't know if you know this, but the church was started with the winds of the Holy Spirit, not the huffing and puffing of a pastor. So if we're not careful and we give in to the kiddie pool, then you come to church every Sunday so that the pastor can huff and puff into your floaty. So that you can get through your week floating through the floods of the enemy. When the Bible said you're supposed to cancel the flood of the enemy with the flood of the Holy Spirit. And if it's your first time in the church, here you go. This is for you. This is not bad. This is how many kids learn how to swim and some black adults. I can't say that. I'm not a great swimmer, so like, I like the, I, I, would, I would be okay with it. You guys didn't know if you could laugh at that, huh? It's funny. I'll get an email. That was hilarious. What are you saying? I know, I, I get it, I get it with somebody, put it in the chat right now. I guarantee you when I watch on Sunday, I know a black person that's an Olympic swimmer. I know, I'm just joking. I'm not saying it's bad to have floaties. I'm saying it's bad to never graduate to the flood. And he was saying in John chapter 7, it's time to take off the, flo- the floaties and it's time to engage in the flood of the, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Yeah. Believers who are yielded to him. But we're not ready for the flood until we put on floaties in three pools. And one of those pools is the pool of praise. The Bible says even kids can do this. The second pool is the pool of mercy. Who we need the Lord's mercy during this time. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 13 says, Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda. It's literally translated Bethesda, house of mercy. So Jesus showed up to the pool of mercy. And it says, with five covered porches, crowds of six people. Man, this, this oasis has been a pool of mercy to so many people. I came here sick, as a sick person, blind, lame, paralyzed, couldn't move forward with what God had for my life. And they lay on the porches, and one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? And verse 7 says, he says, I can't, for I have no one to put me into the pool When the water bubbles up, someone always gets there ahead of me. 
Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. Isn't it crazy how the miracles that happen at the pool of mercy get you moving? I want to prophesy over somebody. If you feel stuck, mercy will get you moving. If you feel paralyzed, mercy will get you moving. If you feel hopeless, mercy will get you moving. If you don't know how to move forward, it's because God wants to give you mercy. You got to get in the pool of mercy. And it's crazy that they got mad because Jesus healed the man at the pool of mercy on the Sabbath during a season of rest was the pool of mercy. Aren't we in a season of rest? And I want to tell you, somebody's going to get mad at what God did in your life in this season of rest. Somebody's going to get mad at the mercy of God. Someone's going to look at you and say, how could that person do what they're doing right now when I've been doing all this? And you're going to tell them it is the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God. The mercy of God. The mercy of God. And then Jesus tells him in verse 14, Jesus found him in the temple. Some people say that during this time, there are some, you know, church studying people, whatever, say that they think 25% of the people that left church in March will never come back again, 25%. And that we need to have plans to try to get those 25% to come back. And I don't have any plans, nor am I planning on coming up with any plans to get the 25% to come back. That's not my job to get you to come back. If during the coronavirus, through watching Oasis online, you have been in the pool of mercy, my question for you is, will you have a verse 14 moment where Jesus finds you in the temple after you've been healed from mercy? Wow. Not will I find you in church, will Jesus find you in church? And then he tells them, now that you are well, stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Jesus was suggesting that the condition he was in was due not to the economy, not to injustice, but it was him. <laughs> oh my God. The reason why we can never encounter the mercy of God is because we're never willing to admit it might be us. No, it ain't us. Have you seen that debate? It's them. It's him. It's her. You can never be healed by mercy if you don't say that it's you. And I love this because Jesus alluded, some Bible scholars, that his sin could have had something to do with his condition, but he healed him first and then told him the reason why he needed to be healed in the first place was him. He didn't say it's you. He healed him first, gave him mercy. So you can actually call people out for what they're doing, but not until you extend mercy. Which means, am I telling you what I'm telling you because it bothers me what you're doing, or am I telling you what I'm telling you because I'm worried about you? He didn't say, hey, I, like, go and stop sinning because I ain't trying to come back up here to this pool again and have to tell you the same thing over and over again. I'm tired of telling. No. I'm tired. He said, no, no, no. Something's going to happen to you. So if you haven't extended mercy, you're not ready to correct anybody. You're not ready to tell the truth. Give me a break. I saw a church leader call LeBron James a coward and then lead a worship gathering. 
Was that you? No, it wasn't you. I was embarrassed. Because it's not like you have to agree with LeBron James. But before the pandemic, that was somebody that you would have sat in the front at your church. And now that they say something in the interview you don't agree with, come on, man. Listen, where's the mercy in the church? Where's the mercy? And the reason why people are being hurt in the church is because we run them through growth track, which is a diving board for a, wa- a pool with no water in it. And we have them cannonball into our church culture and then they're midair and realize they're about to land on concrete because the pool of mercy is gone. Jesus, give me mercy, God. Give me mercy. I need some mercy. I had somebody cuss me out in my DMs this week that because of something I said they didn't agree with. Cuss me out in my DMs. And I was like, hey, bro. Sam Medina almost came out for a minute. It's like, hey, bro. What the problem is, bro? The Lord said, where's your mercy? So I said, hey, we got to talk. It's not that serious. We got a Zoom schedule. We're going to talk it out because of mercy. Mercy's no joke. And so when that person made a mistake and said something, I invited him into the pool of mercy. We're not ready for the river and we don't even, and the pool's empty. And you don't even have to remodel the pool. Just put some water in it. Can I be real? Stop decorating it. You don't need a jacuzzi. You just need. You just need some mercy. The pool of praise, the pool of mercy. The third one is the pool of perception. We had that on the wall for a long time, didn't we? God's doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. We always say, we love, man, we, we got to start finishing our sentences. Because we always say God's doing a new thing, and we don't finish it, and God says, can you perceive it? Which means when I'm doing a new thing, it's going to be hard to see. Jesus. He didn't say, like, we put it on the board. No offense. You guys did a great job with that. But when we say God's doing a new thing, it's in neon lights. God is doing a new thing. And that's not what God says. God says, I am doing a new thing. Can you see it? Because when I do something new, you are blinded by what is old. That's maybe why we can't see it. Because we're like, when are we going to open the building? And God's saying, oh, you can't see it. You can't see it. You got to get in the pool of perception. This pool of perception in the Bible was called the pool of Siloam, where interesting enough, that would have been the exact pool that the priests would have got the cups of water from. That would have been the exact pool where they were holding the cups of water from the pool of Siloam and would have gotten interrupted. The, the pool of perception. The pool of perception. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 6 says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sins or his parents' sins? Isn't that interesting? Maybe they had heard him say in John 5, Oh my God, this is good. I'm so glad to be back. They probably had heard him say in John 5, hey, dude, stop sinning or something else. And they thought that all issues were sin because they asked him, was it his sin or his parents' sin? 
And Jesus said, no, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So he only gives two options for faults. Your fault, opportunity. So if you're mad at what is going on in America, it's your fault or it's an opportunity for the power of God to be seen in you. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? I'm, it's right here. It said this happened so the power of God could be seen where? In him. In him. He is saying that one healing took place because the man was sinning. Another healing, another bad thing happened to activate the river. So how do we get from the, the floaties to the flood? Trauma. Pain. Heartache. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I'm the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, nasty, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. I'm a germaphobe. I'm just going to be blind, to be honest. I know it's Jesus spit, but I'm not doing it. Verse 7 says, he told them, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And so the man went and washed and came back seeing that is the pool of perception. I do believe God's going to open our building soon. But you need to come back seeing. And if you can see during this time, that is a miracle. That is a miracle. That is a miracle. Interestingly enough, this miracle is more profound than we think. I want you to write this down. What you see determines where you are sent. Because the word Siloam, I want you to read this again, verse 7. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So he changes what you can see so he can send you. Why? So you don't have to keep getting in the kiddie pool with your floaties. Now he can send you because you have the river. Notice he got activated so he could be sent. This is so profound. You guys, this will change your life if you allow. The church needs to be a pool of praise, a pool of perception, and, and a pool, a pool where people are sent. And we call this the pool of empowerment. The pool of empowerment. This is where Jesus can send you. Jesus can send you into the situation that you deem to be dark because you are light. This is the rivers of living water. Why are, we, why are Christians quitting job? Because it's dark. I don't understand that. Aren't you light? The, the light is God. I know it's dark. That's why I sent you. Like you're the solution. You, you are the solution. And that's why we got to be careful that we don't avoid this time. Here, here's what I'm saying. On the last day of the festival, this is John 7, 37 through 14. Jesus said, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who is thirsty. Not just a little parched. 
Not, let me get a little sparkling water, splash of lime juice. No, no, no. Are you thirsty for this? Like, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for a move of God? Anyone who is thirsty may come to me and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers, floods. That's what is translated of living water will flow from your heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit, but the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into glory, which means died and, and resurrected. And then verse 40 said that there was division and unbelief. When the crowds heard him say that, some of them declared, surely this man is a prophet we've been inspecting. Others said he is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? So the beginning of a move of God's spirit often starts with division. It's some people wanting to stay in the pool and some people wanting to be in the river and some people believing this and some people believing that. But I really have been stuck on this thought that God is asking me to overwhelm the flood of the enemy, the things he tries to say with the flood of the Holy Spirit that comes from my heart. And I find it interesting that in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 8 and 9, God wiped out the entire earth with a flood. So he could get rid of everything. The reason why he doesn't is that some people think that they would be in the ark and they'd be in the flood. Like we love to think we'd be in the ark. God can't even get you to watch online. You think you're going to build a boat and it's never rained? That's the person who was in the ark, the person who had enough faith to build a boat and it's never rained. Are you going to believe that something that has never happened in the history of our, something bad in our world in 2020 happened that has never happened before? Are you going to believe that no matter what you see on the news as a black person, as a person of color, that God can set this whole nation free with his breath, with the move of God's spirit? Do you know that the first, how long were the Israelites enslaved? 400 years. 400 years, Sam. You know how many, how many years in America that black people have been talking about oppression? The first slave got here in 1619. What year is it? 2020. Which means December 31st, 2019, the timer went off 400 years. Oh, God, I feel the anointing. I believe it's a prophetic time for freedom and that there's a flood coming to eradicate the earth of the things we are seeing. But it isn't a flood of water that comes from the earth. It's a flood of water that comes from believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to write this down. The flood from God that wiped out the earth in the Old Testament was replaced by a flood from believers that transformed the earth in the New Testament. God's not wiping anything out. He's transforming. He's not wiping anything out. He's transforming. And I think he's done with pastors filled with the Holy Spirit creating the rivers of living water and people come in the church to surf the wave. <laughs> it's a tough one, Isaiah. That's what it is. We rely on one preacher to do it and then everybody comes and surfs the wave. Isn't this cool? When a church is a place 
to be equipped to do the same thing. This church has been a pool of mercy. This church has been a pool of perception. This church has been a pool of praise, a pool of empowerment. It's been a pool for so many, and, and it's closed, the building. And I think it's closed because on October 13th, when we took the church, and I've, I'm in therapy about this. God, why would you give us a church? And just everything's closed four months later. And you know what the Lord's told me through this message? Because I knew you and Christina, I knew you and Christina could handle when I closed the pool. All the pools are closed, like literal pools. All the pools are closed. And this church is a building. It's a pool of so many things. And you come, and people come to the pool, and they get healed. And the pool is closed. And I want you to write this down. Coronavirus closed the building, the pools. But it didn't close the rivers, the Christians. Who needs a pool when there is a flood? Jesus. You know, the Bible says in Ezekiel 47, and I'm going to invite the team, and then we're going to take some communion to kind of remember what Jesus did. But in Ezekiel 47, God gives Ezekiel a vision in the temple. And the vision says that there was an angel of the Lord there, and I'm paraphrasing a bit because I don't have time to read it. There's an angel of the Lord, and the Lord led, uh, the angel of the Lord led Ezekiel through the temple. And all of a sudden, he saw some water in the temple. And when the angel of the Lord measured the water, it came up to Ezekiel's ankles. That symbolizes the kiddie pool. And it came up to his ankles. And then he went a little bit further, deeper. I believe God's asking us to go deeper with him. And as Ezekiel went deeper, the angel of the Lord measured the water in the temple again, and it was up to his knees. And then the angel led him deeper. And the Bible says that the water was up to his waist. And then the angel led him deeper. And the Bible says that it came up to his neck. And then it got so high that he couldn't feel the ground. And the Bible says he was like, it was, it was enough to swim and he couldn't walk in anymore. And it was that moment where the trickle became a flood in the house of God that the Bible says Ezekiel began to see life. And, and the vision that Ezekiel had is when it got to that point, the vision he had is he saw the water flowing out from under the doors into the city. Good Lord. How powerful is that? Out under the doors into the city. And I believe that's what God has for our church, that we are putting away the floaties and preparing for the flood. So maybe that's you right now and you just need me to pray for you and you say, hey, Lord, I need your mercy. I got it. I, I, Maybe you're not ready for the flood and you just, Lord, I need the pool of mercy. I need the pool of perspective. I need the pool of praise. I've just been just so discouraged and so frustrated and I need to just get in the pool of praise. Or maybe you're having a hard time seeing what God is doing and you say, Lord, just give me the pool of perspective, the pool of perception I need to see, Lord. And maybe you've been so judgmental towards someone else, so judgmental to our president, so judgmental towards Democrats, you need the pool of mercy today. And maybe you're in the place. We don't need many. 
The church started with 120, not thousands. We just need a handful of people that would say, Lord, make me a river. I'm putting away the floaties. I'm ready. I know mercy. I know perspective. And I want rivers of living water to come from me, which means now I am the building, the manifest presence of God in my community, my job, and with my neighbors. If that's you and you, you want, you're any one of those categories, we're going to pray for you right now. And then we're going to take communion because there's a lot to remember. There's what got said in the debate. We can remember that. But God says to remember him. And I really believe that what you remember about God will shape your future and what you forget about God will destroy it. You got to be careful what you remember during this time. So Father in heaven, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are so awesome. Lord, somebody under the sound of my voice, somebody listening right now needs to be into the pool of perception. You say are you doing, you're doing a new thing, God, but they need to see it. Somebody else needs to be in the pool of mercy. They've been judgmental and critical. Rightfully so. The thing is not, and every time I talk about this, people say, but we need to call out that they're wrong. Yes, but not before extending mercy. Jesus called out the man's sin, but dipped him in the pool of mercy. And so until we are immersed in mercy, we are not ready to call out the sins of other people until we have the mercy of God in our heart. You need to understand this. We need to understand this. Jesus, help us understand that even in the Old Testament, when everybody brought their animals to be sacrificed because of their sin, that when the priest took the blood of those sacrificial animals and, and, and brought it inside the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, and, and, and put the blood in the most holy place, the Bible says when the blood hit the mercy seat, the glory of the Lord shot out of the tabernacle. And the blood of Christ has been sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven, which means that anywhere, anytime we have access to the pool of mercy for us, for the things we do wrong and and to, to let people experience for the things that they do wrong. Lord, put somebody in the pool of mercy this Sunday, today. We thank you, Lord. And for those who are ready, we are coming up again on this calendar period where this festival would take place and so many of us are ready to get cups of water from the pool which is the building and I feel like Jesus is interrupting us once again canceling all the festivities around the pool and saying once again come if you are thirsty anyone who believes in me rivers of living water will flow out of your heart Father, we thank you that many people right now, there's nothing wrong with the floaty, but we need some believers that are ready to move to the flood, yielded vessels of God's power and his Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.